Nicely done, beef. No matter how you're cooked. Grilled, sautéed, stir-fried, roasted, or stewed. Your savory sounds are music to everyone's ears. Yeah, now that's a dinner playlist. Good cooking at Beef. It's what's for dinner.com. Funded by Beef Farmers and Ranchers. Welcome to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Well, another week, another big one this week. Mississippi State and the Kentucky Wildcats, Bulldogs winning this past weekend against Vanderbilt. Kentucky had the week off, and so a busy show for you here today. We're going to talk to James Armstrong, the head soccer coach at Mississippi State. They've got a big match tomorrow night at home against Ole Miss, and then we'll talk to Kendall Graveman, live from the World Series Game two tonight in the World Series after the Braves won last night. And then Jeff Picaro later in the show will join Jeff. He's the analyst for the Kentucky Radio Network. So a busy show for you today. Charlie, before we get into all that, let's talk about Visit Startwell, startwell.org. You've got Thursday night, tomorrow night, Pumpkin Palooza downtown. So come downtown. They'll shut down the streets of Startwell, Pumpkin Palooza, then head over to the soccer match to see State and Ole Miss play tomorrow night. And then, of course, Bulldog Bash is upcoming. But before Bulldog Bash, Sunday, brunch and browse, home football weekend, Kentucky weekend, 6 o'clock game on Saturday. So you got a chance to wake up a little late on Sunday, head downtown to Main Street, do a lot of shopping on the brunch and browse here downtown Startville. And so just a lot of things. This is the fun time of year. you got multiple sports going on. Basketball is going to kick up. Do we talk about basketball? We don't. We don't really talk about basketball. Okay. I guess we we may have to hedge on that a little bit. We will. It some. is something to do, and it's not because we don't like basketball. It's just because it doesn't fit into the show. Charlie, busy weekend this weekend should be a lot of fun here in town. Well, it's going to be some great weather too, right? Kind oh. of going to feel like fall, so a great time to get out, walk around town. On Saturday, get here early as well. This is going to be one of those Saturdays where you want to be here early. Because it is going to be prime, just outdoor time. I think it's going to be a good weekend. You mentioned all the things going on. I am excited about Bulldog Bash coming up, what, November 5th? Yep, November 5th, next Friday. Talked to Hardy last week on our show. He's excited about coming back. Of course, uh, Hardy, country music artist from Philadelphia, Mississippi. Played it in the Shelby County Fair. We talked to him. He's a big Mississippi State guy, so he's coming to Bulldog Bash. And he said it was going to be pretty cool because he had spent so many Bulldog Bashes standing in the crowd, and now he's going to be on the main stage performing next Friday night here at Bulldog Bash. And so, Charlie? Now, this Pumpkin Palooza thing, it's not going to look like these Texas A&M videos I've been seeing, right? Well, I, I heard about the videos of Texas A&M, but let me tell you this. Nothing would surprise me if you told me anything is in a video – about Texas A&M. Oh, so you haven't seen this? No, I have not. Well, it's apparently the flight of the Great Pumpkin. Really? Okay. It doesn't look normal. Is it a play? No, it's, um, well. It's, Is it orchestrated? It's, yeah. It, it's kind of a parade. It's Is it a fraternity? Or is it just like a bunch of folks got together? It's like the Corps of Cadets and the band. And apparently, oh, I did my. some reading on this. They've had a little bit of a turf war over the years. It used to involve, by the way, putting a pumpkin on the head of somebody young, and that person would become the great pumpkin, 
And then people trying to beat the pumpkin off his head with axe handles. I'm reasonably like certain OSHA or some governing entity would have stepped in and stopped that. I didn't think in 2021 you could have a human pinata because that's essentially what they're doing. I think they've gotten away from that. But is it really anything surprise you when we talk about them, though? No, not at all. And, I mean, it's not – I mean, I'm not trying to be negative in any way. They're just weird. But <laughs> well, it's, it's unique. Hey, we get to the stretch run now of college football. And, you know, biggest we, weekend of the year right now. This is a big, huge weekend for us. Huge weekend for us. But, man, I tell you what, you start looking around the country, and we did it last week, too. And you saw where Oklahoma went down to the wire against Kansas. I've never seen a year where literally anybody could beat anybody. And that's what has made it fun. That's what makes college football so great. Would it surprise you if Mississippi State beat Kentucky by three touchdowns? And no. would it surprise you if they lost by three? No. Isn't that the? I mean, isn't that the story on this game? And then the, the line opened as Mississippi State is a favorite. Is that correct? Yeah, quickly I think went that's to, changed. Right. And it quickly went to Kentucky, and you know we don't talk a whole lot of lines here. We will a little bit on Friday, but it just kind of shows you that nobody really knows what to think about this game. And I don't either. No, I don't either. I don't either. Hey, looking forward to today's show. Really looking forward to talking to one of the cool cats in the athletic department right now, just James Armstrong. He's a great guy to be around. This just guy a, can make me want to play soccer. Well, I don't know if it's that much because that's a lot of running. They run a lot. In, in spurts. Soccer. Yes, in, and run fast. It's not like a jog. It's not like you're jogging out there. No. They're running. And so James Armstrong will join us. Kendall Graveman will also join us, a relief pitcher with the Houston Astros, former Bulldog and Big leaguer right now. He'll join us. they got game two going on later tonight. An all-around awesome dude. Just unreal. And then our good friend Jeff Picaro, the color analyst for the Kentucky Radio Network, going to join us later in the show as well. So we got three interviews for you in this show. And we've got a busy weekend. Should be a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us over the next hour. And once again, you're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Agents in every county in the state of Mississippi and the tremendous customer service of Farm Bureau. So go with the home team. And one of the guys we're talking to right now with the home team, James Armstrong, the head soccer coach at Mississippi State. And, Coach, appreciate you stopping by the studios. No, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Okay, now, a couple of weeks ago, I went out to Colorado on the off week in football. And I, and I go up to a coffee stand and I buy coffee, thank the lady very nicely. And she says, I don't mean this in a negative way, but I can tell by your voice you're not from here. So I can tell by your voice, and I don't mean this in a negative way, that you're not from here, Coach Armstrong. A little bit of background from you. Where did you start playing soccer and kind of get into the game of soccer? Well, I'm definitely not from around here, um, but I, I grew up in England, um, northwest of England, about four and a half hours uh, northwest of London, um, in a really small village, small in Starkville, of a thousand people called MC, um, in the Yorkshire, the county, Yorkshire County, I should say. Um, and then I went to college in Scotland um, for three years, but I spent one year at North Carolina Chapel Hill. Uh, loved everything about America. I'd vacationed here. My mom worked for an American company. Uh, United Airlines. 
And so America was where I always wanted to end up at. Um, I've spent time in Chicago, uh, worked for U.S. Soccer Federation. Uh, then I moved to Austin, Texas, where I started my coaching career when I was 24. Then I uh, moved to Auburn, Alabama, and then uh, thankfully ended up here in Startville, Mississippi as of 2019. So you're three for you here. I know anytime you come in, you want to put your mark on a program. Obviously, you've had a lot of early success. Where are you in terms of the development of the program kind of is where you thought you would be? That's a great question. I think, uh, you know, we're, we're further ahead than we thought we would be from a culture standpoint. Um, we did a lot of roster management when we first got here. Um, we had a certain style of play that we wanted to create. Um, the previous coaching staff had, had done a good job of laying, uh, laying the foundations um, but for us, we wanted to take the next step. Um, we play a slightly different style um, than the previous staff, so we needed to bring in our own players um, from that standpoint. You mentioned something there that's really interesting to me. Bart and I, when we broadcast baseball, we broadcast football, we know where those players come from. You know, We know that if you're recruiting for baseball, where you need to go in the offseason to look for talent. Where in soccer do you go to look for talent? And kind of related to that, how has the club soccer programs in Mississippi, where, where are they in, in throughout the whole southeast in terms of development improvement? So we, if you look at our roster and players that we've brought in since we've been here, a lot of it has been in the southeast. Um, but we've still had players from the Midwest, uh, from the northeast, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll, we'll go as far west as California and we'll go as far north as, as New York, you know, so from that standpoint. But most of our players have come from Texas, Florida kind of area. We are actively recruiting in Mississippi. We only have one Mississippi player on the roster right now, um, Ole Miss. Unfortunately, I've been there for 10 years now, um, so we're always competing against them for the best in-state talent. Um, through no fault of their own, in terms of Mississippi, there are two big leagues, national leagues. One's called the Elite Club National League and one's called the Girls Academy League. There are no Mississippi teams in that. Um, so a lot of Mississippi players actually end up traveling to the state of Alabama or the state of Georgia to play at that highest level. But, uh, you know, if you're good enough in Mississippi, we're, we're watching you for sure. Talking to Coach James Armstrong. And, Coach, you mentioned Ole Miss mm -hmm. tomorrow night. Last year you go to Oxford, pull off a good win up there final match of the regular season. It's amazing to me when, when you get into the soccer season about how fast the season goes. And now all of a sudden, you're the final regular season match tomorrow night at home. How big is it for you to end the season with Ole Miss? It's, it's massive. You know, obviously it's a, a huge rivalry game. There's a trophy on the line with the Magnolia Cup. Um, like you said, we, we currently are in possession of that now. Um, we want to make sure that that stays the same tomorrow night. Um, but also there's so many ramifications. You know, Ole Miss currently number 13 in the country. They're playing for a national seed in the NCAA tournament. They're playing for a bye in the SEC tournament. We're playing to get to keep our postseason hopes alive. We have to win. Um, you know, so from that standpoint, not only is it rivalry week, but uh, it's the last guaranteed game of the season for us. Um, and we've got to make sure that we continue our postseason hopes. In football, we talk all the time about a home field advantage. I've been keeping up with your program, and I've noticed you've had just increasing crowd and fan support, particularly among the college students. How important is that home field advantage in soccer? It's something that the players talk about all the time. 
when we first got here, we talked about making home field advantage count. Um, they they appreciate so much, you know, the support that we've had this season. It's been the best we've ever had. I think we've got a, a great mixture of families. We've got a great mixture of the student body, faculty, um, you know, and they they really are a huge advantage for us. You know, you talk to the players, they, they, they we've had great home success, and they say a, a large part of that is how boisterous the crowd is because it's not only a lot of people there but it's the environment you know you got people tailgating you got people ringing the cowbells you got people chanting um you know and it, it's it's a stadium that is incredibly loud you know so from that standpoint they make a massive difference and i can't tell you how much we appreciate the sport so far you've been in the sec for a long time now talk about your time at auburn it's amazing to me as an outsider for the game of soccer to look and see how much better the league has gotten from top to bottom. You know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you look in the SEC and you see, of course, the Floridas and then, of course, A&M coming into the league. They were very good. But just looking at the league now, where it was 15 years ago, it's amazing to see the development of soccer in the Southeast and in this conference. Yeah, I'm so glad you recognize that. You know, this is an, an unbelievable, ta- unbelievably talented team that we have. Um, I will say this, particularly with the result of the COVID protocols, with having the ability to have fifth-year seniors, um, those established programs, if you look at the, the ones that are doing the best right now, they've got the pri- pri- primarily fifth-year seniors in their starting lineups, you know. So we always talk about the SEC being the best conference in the country, um, particularly in terms of parity. Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And I've been in the league since 2013, and this is undoubtedly the, the toughest season that I've seen in terms of parity. One of the things that Bart and I talk a lot about in baseball and football is it's almost become a bad word in some circles, analytics. People are breaking more and more down the launch angle and all these things. Has that crept into soccer? Absolutely. We've, uh, we have a company called Instat that breaks down all of our games statistically. Um, I have a, a graduate uh, manager. We've got a student coach, got a volunteer coach, and then obviously we as a, a coaching staff with the two assistants and myself, we look at everything, you know, in terms of where balls are entering boxes on, on both sides of the ball, a range of passes, how many forward passes. You could go on and on and on, and you can get bogged down in the details. But uh, it's not only analytics in terms of stats from soccer, but also the physical aspect, right, in terms of, you know, distance traveled, changes of direction, you know, all the things that all the information you gather from your strength and conditioning coach with the polar heart rate monitors. So st- statistics is uh, is huge in our game and it's uh, it's just growing more and more, you know, as we go on. You talk about your style. Is it more of a defensive style? Is it more of a physical style? We're going to talk in a minute to Kendall Graveman, a pitcher with the Houston Astros. And the thing about Kendall, he's the nicest guy off the field, but when he gets on the field, He's, he's a monster. I mean, he, he's a guy that has a cutthroat mentality. When you're recruiting, when, when you go out and you're looking at players to come into your program, what are you looking for? Are you looking for the extremely athletic? Or are you looking for – and I know you're one of, every, one of everything, but what's more important the first time you see someone? Is it the way they play and how they carry themselves and how forceful they can be on the field or – the agility, I mean, are you looking for someone defensively? What's the first thing that you're looking for out of a future player? When myself and my staff go to the field, you're literally trying to picture that specific prospect in a Mississippi State jersey. 
So the first thing that we always talk about is nobody's ever going to outwork us. So they could be the most talented player in the world, but what is their body language like? How competitive are they? How coachable are they? How do they deal with constructive criticism? Um, how do they carry themselves and, and how they push their teammates in a respectful manner? Um, they're the most important things. Then obviously we're in an incredibly athletic conference, um, so they have to be able to influence the game by getting being able to get close to the ball. Um, and then after that, then technically, you know, do they have the capabilities to play at that speed that's required at the SEC level? All right, you're from Yorkshire, England. So let me ask you this question: Charlie and I talked a couple of weeks ago about bucket list, and we were talking to Reese Davis with ESPN about, you know, growing up in the South. If you could go anywhere in the country and have a bucket list thing that you wanted to do as far as college football, where do you need to go? If you're from the United States and you've never been to England and you want to go to a Premier League match, and you don't have any cares, you don't have any loyalties whatsoever, where's the first place you go to a Premier League match to get the full feel of the Premier League? Wow, that's a great question, but an easy one to answer. Um, You go to Liverpool, you try and make it a European midweek game, and you go and sit on the cup. It's uh, it's a certain section of the, the ground whereby they sing a, a specific song before the game called You'll Never Walk Alone. Um, if you haven't heard of it, you should uh, look for it on YouTube. It, it literally would make you uh, have goosebumps. But uh, that would be undoubtedly the place to go uh, to, to see just an incredible atmosphere. Okay, you're a golfer too. Okay, I'm, I'm getting Yorkshire, England native. I'm going to ask you, outside of soccer, if you live in the United States and you wanted to go to A, Wimbledon, B, Premier League, C, British Open, or the Open Championship at St. Andrews? What are you choosing? I'm still going Premier League. Um, I'm a golfer, but I'm a horrible golfer. Um, I would love to go to St. Andrews. (laughs) I certainly wouldn't want to play it, though. What about Wimbledon? Is it overrated or is it great? It's, it's, well... It's different. It depends on the weather, right? It's the, if you get the trip, uh, the typical English summer, then Wimbledon's not the best. But if you, uh, if you get a, a unique English summer where the weather's beautiful and you can sit outside and have your strawberries and cream and all those kind of things that are traditions over there, then Wimbledon's pretty special too. Hey, appreciate you joining us. Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Hell State. And that's Mississippi State soccer coach James Armstrong. Appreciate you hanging out with us here in the studio. And this conversation brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. We talked about it on Friday, or it may have been Sunday. No, it was Friday when we said, listen, go out this weekend and just get some Country Pleasing. We're not going to talk about what our favorite is, even though mine is a jalapeno cheddar or just the original. But you just can't go wrong with Country Pleasing. Charlie, that was a lot of fun. Man, wouldn't you love if we get a good World Cup going, have him in here, we can do some post games. <laughs> James is a great personality, great guy. And I'll tell you what he's done. He has immersed himself in the Starville community and done a great job of it. He's got a lot of friends in this town that have gone to soccer that have never gone to soccer before and have fallen in love with the sport. Oh, man. And look, he works fraternity row, sorority row, and he has got college kids turning out and supporting the program too. It's it's amazing to watch him get in front of a group because he can take people who know nothing about the sport 
and have them dying to come watch it. No doubt. When we come back, as we talked about just a moment ago, we'll talk to Kendall Graveman, relief pitcher with the Houston Astros, live from the World Series in Houston. Of course, the Braves won last night in Game 1, Game 2 later tonight. And we'll talk to Kendall, a former Bulldog, right after this. And, of course, as we said, that conversation with James Armstrong, brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau. Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startville. And we just had a great conversation with James Armstrong, the soccer coach at Mississippi State. And now we're going to go to our World Series correspondent. On the scene from the World Series, Kendall Graveman will join us. And Hey, Kendall, we appreciate you being our reporter on the scene for the World Series this year. <laughs> no problem. Anything I can do. <laughs> exactly. Hey, listen, so, hey, before we jump into the World Series, let's go back to the ALCS and that at-bat that so many people are talking about with Shaw at the plate and first and third and one out in the seventh inning and then a 3-1 count. Looking at that, Maldonado calls time, he comes out, you guys talk it over, and you come up with a changeup on 3-1. Was that one of those situations where he looks at you and says, hey, can you get one over right here? Is that one of those situations where you look at him and say, hey, let's let's throw a change up? What went on there? It was one of those that I'd say Shaw um, earlier in the, the ALCS and throwing him a lot of fastballs. And and I was just – I was thinking throughout the at-bat that I needed to throw an off-speed pitch. And I was thinking it actually earlier. And I hadn't thrown a change up come to find out in, in 40 days up to that point in a game so it was kind of one of those I really felt convicted on it I'm not sure exactly why I felt convicted on it but I felt that something like that was moving away from him as an off-speed pitch would have been a good pitch there I honestly wanted a ground ball double play but to be able to throw a strike in that moment and get the the unconventional kind of strike them out throw them out double play afterwards was was really big for our team does one of the thought processes that plays in there with you know you got a guy three one you got a guy that's probably sitting dead red on fastball is a situation too of hey if I walk him I walk him I just don't want to give up a, a double into the gap. Yeah, in that moment you're you're sitting there thinking if the guy from third scores we have a two nothing lead right there it it has to lead to two to one but you're really focused on making sure the guy at first doesn't score. Uh, actually, the three two pitch right before I, I picked and I kept the guy close enough at first. I felt like uh, I had him leaning in a little bit. It was a really close pick. I know the telecast on watching it on TV didn't show that, but it was very close um, to being out. And then to, the next pitch, I think, to be able to throw him out, I think that may have held him up a half step just to show that pick in that moment. But, yeah, if the guy's sitting, especially a left-handed hitter, he's a big guy, he's trying to do damage. He actually hit a fly ball to the warning track off of me in, in an earlier game that series, so off the fastball. So that's definitely the, the thought process behind all of it. Kendall, I've always been curious how you know your pitch sequence during a game or your pitch allocation during a game matches what you do in the bullpen. You know, if numbers are to be believed, you throw your change up about six percent of the time. When you're working in the bullpen, going through, you know, getting ready to take the mound. Does your allocation fall out that way, or do you throw change-ups more in the bullpen than you might in the game? How does that work? 
Yeah, I haven't thrown a changeup in the bullpen in probably the same amount of time, probably 40, <laughs> 40 days because I really, I mean, once your name's called, you don't have a whole lot of time to get ready uh, during the game. So obviously I want to throw my strengths and make sure that I feel really good with the sinker, the four seam, and the slider. And then the, the rest, the inning gets long or if I'm down there for a while and I don't come in, then maybe. But that's one thing about being in the bullpen that I've figured out, unlike starting where you can throw in between outings, you can practice. <laughs> now it's more like just go with what you got. One thing I have done in my throwing program, right after I get into throwing every day, I've been gripping the changeup and throwing it. And I felt really good with the way it was feeling coming out of the hand. So I felt good enough to say, hey, I've been throwing in a throwing program. I know I can take this into a game. And I think that comes with experience. Um, I couldn't have done that early in my career. But even without throwing it to a catcher off the mound, I felt good enough to throw it. We're talking to Kendall Graveman. And, Kendall, we talked to you before the year began, and you were with the Mariners at the time and had made that move to the bullpen and now traded during the regular season to Houston and used primarily sometimes as a two-inning guy. Sometimes you, most of the time you go one inning. But growing up and coming through the program here at Mississippi State and going through the minor leagues and then early in your career being a starting pitcher, the thing about being a starter is you know you've got you know, four days to get your body ready to take the mound again. How has the change been of going to the bullpen, and how do you have to take care of your body differently to get ready for that next outing, which may be the next night? <laughs> Bart, I hope the people listening can kind of put this in perspective, but I mean, today on this interview, as we speak, it's October the 27th, and I'm going to play in a baseball game here in a few hours. The, the day we reported the spring training was February the 14th, and that's a, that's a long time to play baseball. <laughs> and so every day I'm trying to show up, and I'm trying to get my body ready, like you're saying. And, and it's been a challenge, um, something that doesn't come easy. I mean, you're trying to compete and perform at the highest level that your body can physically get to. So there's a lot of time that's spent in the training room getting the body ready with with massage therapists, with training staff, with um, hot and cold tubs. I mean, there's a, a great deal of just intention, intentionality that has to go behind making sure that I'm hydrated, making sure I'm eating properly, and all of the things that sleep, the things that come along with, with just recovery. And for me, um, I've gotten used to it, but like I said, it is October 27th, and I think everyone's feeling that there's two teams left playing, and there's not a guy out there right now feeling 100%, so you go with what you got, and you go pitch and, and perform with your best of your ability at what percentage you're running on right now. Well, whatever you're doing, it seems to be working. Uh, it seems like you're pitching better than you ever have, but you know, I'm curious, you. You know, as you're getting ready for the ball game tonight, kind of, what's the what's the day look like once you kind of get stirring around and moving what is in the day kind of getting ready leading up to game time for a relief pitcher yeah i'll leave um, my house and get to the the ball field about one i mean it's six o'clock i meant excuse me six hours for the game a seven o'clock game uh 345 program and everything from four o'clock on to seven i'm seeing a massage therapist i'm doing the hot tub i'm taking a shower to get ready and change and and then honestly just that's been my routine all year it's nothing different in the playoffs there may be some time changes with with media and and things like that but i'm trying to keep it as structured and as routine oriented as it was um, when i started playing in april 
and that's the, that's the goal. I told my dad yesterday, my parents, and he'll laugh if he listens to this, but I said, look, don't stress. It's just another game. You know, I know everyone's, this is the World Series, but at the end of the day, we're going out and playing one more game. And that's kind of the mindset I've had and trying to keep the routine as oriented the same as I possibly can that way too. Kendall, you were a engineering major. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Okay. What kind of engineer? Was it like structural or mechanical? Mechanical, mechanical engineering? Mechanical. Okay. So here's the, here's what I've learned about mechanical engineering guys is they're numbers guys. And you don't want to say nerds, yeah. I mean, but they're they're numbers guys. <laughs> and, and and we talk to so many different guys about analytics and, and how that, that's crept into the game. But are you an analytics guy? Are you a guy that gets to the ballpark in that six-hour window that, that you're looking at your iPad or your phone and going through numbers? And Hey, I can pull up any number about – Kendall Graveman, the percentages of fastballs that he throws in certain counts and the velocities, exit velocities coming off the bat in certain areas. Do you just dive into stats, or is it one of those things that you're still just pitching from field? Um, I still like to – I think anything in life, if you have balance, that's the best. I think if you go swing one way, the pendulum swings too far one way, it's got to come back to the middle at some point. So – um, a few years ago, I, I was so against all the analytical stuff and the numbers, and I just had to sit down and say, look, this is good for me. I need to figure it out. Um, but also pitching with field, too. So going into a series, especially in this postseason, I've spent probably you know five or six hours leading up watching video and looking at those numbers on opposing hitters. But then as the series goes on, and as you face guys, they're going to make adjustments. And then you have to say, the chess match of who makes the adjustment quicker. Am I going to keep throwing Shaw a fastball in a 3-1 count or am I going to throw him a changeup? And then, then he looks at the board and he kind of wonders, man, that really went on the scouting report. So I, I knew in that moment that's what it was. So that was feel. But I also knew that forcing fastball was the pitch to get him out because I've done my homework and I looked at the numbers and looked at his damage against those. And I knew that was the right pitch. So that's why I went back to a 3-2. So in that scenario, you know, you're pitching off field and you're also pitching off numbers. And um, to me, I like to have the balance as much as I can. It's interesting you use the word balance because when I think of a guy like Dusty Baker, I think of a guy who has a pretty balanced approach to the game. doesn't seem to, you know, be too emotional one way or the other. I'm curious kind of from the kind of the top down, where's the mindset been for this team? You talked about getting ready like it's another game. But for the Astros, is that – is that approach kind of carried across the board through the playoffs so far? Yeah, these guys have taught me a lot just by me being able to observe the way they handle um, defeats and how they handle wins. And it's the same. Honestly, you know, you want to say that it's true for every team, but, I mean, I'm sitting in my locker next to Blake Taylor last night after the game, and he looks at me and says, this, one, this, is team, this team is really good um, because it wasn't a somber feeling in the locker room. It was more of a, talking to one another how can we be better what can we have done in this moment how can we improve for tomorrow and it was already a flip switch that game's over and we're looking ahead and I think it starts from the top down you're exactly right Dusty is a great manager he's somebody that I enjoy being around he's a player's coach and somebody that is hopefully going to be a Hall of Fame manager one day and I respect the heck out of him but also the guys in this clubhouse um, wins and loss they're always the same and it's really remarkable to see. Kendall, before we let you go, 
pitching now late in the postseason, you're getting a taste of something that a lot of guys don't have the opportunity of doing, and that's going deep into a postseason and pitching in a World Series. Has there been a time, and, and just kind of knowing you and, and kind of how that your, your mind works, has there been a time during this process in the last couple of weeks where you're standing up on the mound and there's not a seat that's open in the in the stadium, the towers are waving, that you're sitting there saying to yourself, what in the world am I doing here? How in the world did a kid from Alexander City, Alabama, get to the point where Tony LaRusso's standing at the third base line yelling and cussing at me? I mean, has, has there been kind of that moment, or is it one of those things that will probably come in December when the season's over? No, I've had – I've kind of told myself to take in like snapshots and moments and visually be able – mentally and visually be able to slow it down and just look around and take it in. Because I think, you know, talking to people that have been in the postseason and even talking to my agent that have had clients in the postseason that say the thing they regret the most is not being able to enjoy the moment and it just being a blur. So right now, obviously, main goal is to win baseball games, but my personal goal is to be able to enjoy this as much as I can because the intensity and the heart rate gets up. You do, you know, you lose sight of some of that. And I think, personally, I've been able to do to do that exactly what you're talking about is just look around and take it in and I think it'll hit me even more when I get home in Birmingham and I'm sitting on my couch one day after the season's over and man I think it'll be a flood of emotions just how blessed to be able to play in this postseason how blessed I am no doubt hey we haven't talked to you since we won the national championship how much trash have you talked during the season to all your buddies <laughs> they know. They know when I wear my Mississippi State gear that hey, this is from Mississippi State. So yeah, it was awesome. Hey man, appreciate it. Good luck tonight. Good luck the rest of the way. Of course, hey, you're from Alexander City, which is Braves Country, being close to Atlanta. I know everybody and their brothers probably hitting you up for tickets. And uh, hey, hang on the line. I've got to uh, I've got to get you to, to shoot me a couple for a Friday night over in Atlanta, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I got you about ten, okay? Okay. Perfect. Ten right behind the plate. Hey, appreciate it. Good luck to you. Hey, we're proud of you, buddy. All right. This later. See ya. And that's Kendall Graben getting ready for game two of the World Series later tonight. What a good dude. What a great guy. Hey, we talked to Hunter Renfro last year during the World Series. We got another correspondent this year during the World Series. I hope you didn't tell Kendall that we had a correspondent last year. No, I did not. Okay, because, you know, yeah, no, baseball they, players can be superstitious guys. They they are. That's exactly well, We still right. got Bruce Arians. I know. So, and he, won a, he won a title after talking to us. He did. He did. Hey, great conversation as always. And that conversation brought to you by our friends at Trax Plus. Trax Plus, four locations, of course, the – main hub in Hickory, Mississippi. You've got the, the store between Starville and Columbus on Highway 182, then down in Summit, Mississippi, and in Alexandria, Louisiana, Tracks Plus. If you're in the market for Barco, Rayco, Saney equipment, Saney if you're looking for an excavator in a construction business, dirt construction, Barco. I saw Barco at a job site the other day and somebody was clearing out some trees. And so Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton in Columbus, Ken Crosby in Hickory, Gresh Howell down in Summit, and then Hoop Weems in Alexandria, Louisiana. Check them out at Tracks Plus. And once again, thanks for Kendall for joining us. Jeff Picaro will close us out today. Jeff Picaro, the color analyst for the Kentucky Radio Network, will talk about the Bulldogs and the Wildcats of Kentucky. Big game this weekend here in Starville. You're listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.
And welcome back to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau, Mark Gregory, Charlie Winfield. And let's go to the Bluegrass Commonwealth. Jeff Pacora joins us. He is the color analyst for the Kentucky Radio Network. Jeff, appreciate you hanging out with us for just a few minutes and look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. And it seems like for the last 20 years, when you start talking about this cross-division rivalry, Mississippi State and Kentucky, it seems like each coach and each staff will tell you this is really a pivot point for each program every year. You know, it's amazing. It's been like that ever since I played. You said 20 years. Go back 40. Uh, you know, I played in the early 80s, and it was that way for us all the way back then. But, yeah, this is, for whatever reason, this is a game that both teams think they can win. Both fan bases think they can win. And whoever does usually gets to a decent bowl game. So this is a huge game for both teams. Jeff, it's always interesting to watch the – tenure of a football coach and you look at Mark Stoops a guy who won a couple of games his first year then five in back-to-back years but now all of a sudden five straight bowl games and off to an incredible start here in this season what what is it that's clicked with Kentucky this year to to get them where they are well I think the biggest difference between Kentucky and Mississippi okay is Mississippi has got a ton of high schools and junior colleges Kentucky doesn't have that so they don't have great football because there's just not enough there's probably 10 to 15 maybe 20 players in the state that are division one players that could play at kentucky or louisville or you know notre dame places like that mississippi's got a ton of them so what mark stoops has done is along with vince morrow is you know both those guys came from ohio youngstown and they have just recruited the heck out of that market they're getting these really good football players that ohio is kind of like a florida alabama you know they just Texas, where they have so many players that Ohio State can't take them all. And I think that's one of the reasons Cincinnati's gotten so much better because Luke Fickle, who's from Columbus, played at Ohio State, is now the head coach at UC. He's done that. You know, his his team is, is basically Ohio guys. And Mark Stoops has, has been able to go in there and get the Benny Snails of the world to come to Kentucky. And, you know, it, it's just the fruits of that are showing now. And now, once you start winning and once you start going to bowl games, that opens the eyes of kids in Georgia, Florida, you know, Texas, places like that. So now you expand your, your recruiting base. But that's what he did, and that's why they've gotten so much better. Jeff, it almost seems like, too, is what he has done is he has turned that program into a blue-collar program as well. I mean, yep. you talk to teams. And when, when Mississippi State had so much success under Joe Lee Dunn you know, back in the 90s, and when you, yeah. when you start thinking about some of these big defenses, you thought of a physical football team. And now when you ask people around the SEC, it's amazing how the tables have turned when they talk about Kentucky. They talk about a blue-collar, hard-hitting football team. Yeah, you know, Kirby Smart, uh, a couple weeks ago when Kentucky played Georgia, going into the game, he mentioned just that fact. He said this is the, this is one of the most rugged, tough games we play every year. After the game, he said the same thing. And, um, you know, that's, that's that blue-collar work ethic that those guys from Ohio and Pennsylvania have. And, that's what he's instilled. When he came in and, and interviewed for the job, and I'm not taking anything away from the Mike Leaches of the world, but he came in and he goes, look, I'm not bringing in a, a gimmick offense. I'm not bringing in some gimmick defense. What I'm going to do is we're going to work from the inside out. You cannot win in the Southeastern Conference unless you can win at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And that's what he's done. Now, it's taken some time, but um, yeah, they got a great offensive line. It's been that way for years. John Schlarman, rest his soul, was you know just – they called the big blue wall for a reason. They're, they're really, really good. But they work from the inside out. And once you get that foundation, 
Then you start adding the pieces to the outside, and it's now starting to come together for in the last few years. Well, when you talk about a blue-collar football game, it seems or football team rather, it seems like the thing you always need is somebody can run the football, get some yards after contact. Yeah. And boy, Chris Rodriguez Jr. is has just continued to be impressive, over six yards a carry. Tell Mississippi State fans, you know, what kind of running back they're going to see in Rodriguez. Well, he's 225 pounds, and he, he's angry. He runs angry. Um, you know, that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, you know, every game except the Georgia game, and that's, I tell you, I don't know if you fellas have seen them yet, but that is just a freak defensive football team. I mean, they're, they're oh, amazing. Yeah. That's as good a defense I've seen in a long, long time in the Southeastern Conference. I'm talking from the nose guard to the, to the nickelback. They are just really good. Other than that game, uh, when he was getting hit, basically when he was hand, getting the ball handed off to him, um, he's really good at yards after contact. He runs hard. He runs with a good lean. Um, when he gets hit, he's always falling forward. There's very, very few times you see him uh, you know, make no gain or, or get knocked backwards. And that, that's the key to a great back when they have that, that lean. He's got good eyesight. Um, but, again, I, I think you know that offensive line and – that's what's going to have to happen. I mean, you look at Mississippi State, and they, they lost a couple guys up front of the defense. And to me, Kentucky has to come out and establish the run because that sets up the passing game because everything is predicated on running the football, and then you go with the play-action passing game. But Rodriguez is just a hard-nosed, tough, blue-collar, bring-your-lunchbox. You know, Mississippi State fans will love him. He's that kind of just a, you know, you can see him wearing the maroon and, and running that football downhill. Talking to Jeff Picard. Jeff, when you talk about that quarterback position and, and in today's uh-huh. world of transfer portal and you know kids moving around the country, it seems like Will Levis has really settled into this offense and has run it extremely well. You talk about the play action. So many times now in the transfer portal, everybody's wanting to go to the transfer portal and everybody talks about, well, we'll just go get us somebody in the transfer portal. Well, they got a hit. they got to be good. And it seems to me he's done a great job of kind of managing this offense. Well, he really has, and I think he's just getting more comfortable with it each and every week. Um, you, you know, it's predicated on running the football, but there's a lot of RPO in it. Um, and and it's a, a lot of the passes are going to be similar to what you guys do. You know, it's, a, it's more of a short passing game. You know, those 7- to 10- to 12-yard routes, and every once in a while, once those safeties start coming up, if, if Rodriguez and Smoke and those guys are running the ball well and you put an extra guy in the box, then now they can go over the top of Wondell Robinson and, the great thing uh, this week is uh, Josh Ali looks like he might be back for the game Saturday. He practiced yesterday, uh, was able to go full go. So I expect him to play, and that's going to be a huge, huge uh, addition for them on the offensive side. He got hurt in the Florida game. And he, he ended up uh, finishing the game, but he's uh, you know he's been out four weeks, and uh, so to have him back will open things up. But yeah, Will is just getting so much better. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, it's just you know how to uh, you know it's just decisions for him make the right decision and if he does and he's been pretty good this year now he's not going to go out there and throw for 400 yards that ain't happening your guy can our guy can't uh that's just not the way they're built but if he can if he can throw for 250 yards and this team's got a great chance to win the football game when you look at the numbers you talked a minute ago about georgia and how good their defense is but kentucky's put a really good defense on the field this year it doesn't matter really what category you want to go through they're right there you know in the top couple in the league defensively Brad White, third year as defensive coordinator, fourth season at Kentucky. It's always interesting to me when a guy comes from the NFL, you wonder if they really understand, you know, the how it works down here in the SEC. Right. But, boy, he right. figured it out. Well, he did. And, and I think he is he's the next defensive coordinator to get 
a, a great job somewhere. And, I, and I'm hoping that Kentucky can continue to give him raises and get him up there because somebody like a Saban or, you know, someone like that's going to grab this guy. He is just phenomenal. And what he's done, you know, you look at what this team has lost from last year and all the guys have gone on your middle linebacker with the first round draft pick. You lost your, your big rush in. And, and what's really hurt UK, especially against Georgia too, is they're, two big guys in the middle, the defensive tackles, Oxendine and Marquand McCall. Oxendine's out for the rest of the season. McCall's probably going to be back maybe against Tennessee. But uh, those are two big losses in the middle. But despite that, I think the linebackers have been fantastic for them. Their edge rushers have been really good. And their safeties are really good. And uh, the, the one, I don't know if you call it a weakness, but this team really has two cornerbacks um, because they had, you know, they had some problems at the start of the season. Those guys are back, but I don't know how, how you know if they're in the plain form yet. But uh, that to me is going to be the key: is if Kentucky's corners can cover on the outside against your guys' receivers. That I think that's going to be the big question mark in this game because you know you look at last year's game and you think, oh, Kentucky killed them. Kentucky didn't even have 200 yards of offense in the game, but they had six turnovers. So I mean that's huge, and and that was the difference in the game. But you know if they get that again, they're going to win. But you know, I, I do not foresee that happening. I think this is just going to be a slugfest. Jeff, before we let you go, and just looking at the rest of the schedule, Kentucky had the week off last week, and I know every coach and everybody's going to say, hey, we got to take it one game at a time. But you look at the <laughs> schedule and see how it sets up. This will be a task, and, and a task that, that Mark Stoops has had a d- difficult time winning in Startville, and you know it'll be yep. tough down here. But – if you could get past Mississippi State and the overall grand scheme of things, you got Tennessee at home, and I know you've got to go to Louisville last game of the year in a rivalry matchup. But Louisville is not has not been as good this year in years past. Man, this thing exactly. really sets up if Kentucky can come in here. They're playing for a lot this weekend because at the end of the day, this is a team that could run the table. Now you're exactly right, and I think the bye week came at the perfect time for them this past week. Uh, you know, after you play Georgia stuff, they're banged up, they're beat up a little bit. They really needed that extra time to heal up. If they get Ali back, this is awesome. And yeah, this is their week. If they can win, then against Mississippi State, then they got Tennessee at home. And um, I mean, Tennessee's got a nice team, but they have no depth. You know, they, if they get one guy nicked up a little bit, it's a big drop off. But uh, you know, the next two weeks are, are really the big games. But this one Saturday is huge. If they win that. Then I I really think this team finishes eleven and one. I mean that's that's amazing. Jeff, one last question. Now you're a baseball guy too. Yeah. You see, yeah. you do work with the Reds and also SEC Network. How do you see this World yeah. Series? Wow, I, I didn't see last night coming, but that was a huge loss in, in losing Charlie Morton for the Atlanta Braves because uh, you got to figure he was going to probably pitch one four and seven if it went seven, and I fully expect it to. Um, I think tonight's a key game. Houston has to bounce back at home and win, um, you know, without having Lance McCullough. So now you got your two best pitchers in Charlie Morton for Atlanta and Lance McCullers for Houston out. So it's really what bullpen and if, if Zach Grinke can pitch another gem like he did last time out in the uh, championship series for Houston. Uh, but tonight's a huge game. If Houston can win tonight, it goes one to one. Then I think it goes to seven. And I think that the Houston offense is, is a little a little stronger than Atlanta's, but man, Atlanta's been a team of destiny since August. So I think it's going to go seven. I think it's going to be like the football game. Last team to have the ball Saturday is going to win, and maybe that whoever whoever gets that last at bat run in the ninth is going to win it in seven. I think in baseball, <laughs> no doubt. Hey Jeff, we appreciate you. Look forward to seeing you guys this weekend. All right, fellas.
great talking to you. And that's Jeff Picaro with the Kentucky Radio Network. Bulldogs and the Kentucky Wildcats this weekend here in Starkville. Charlie, hey, enjoyed it as always. Once again, brought to you by our great sponsors. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios here in downtown Starkville. Tracks Plus, Country Pleasing Sausage, Starkville, Mississippi's College Town, and the Mississippi Beef Council brought to you by Mississippi Cattlemen and their checkoff. Charlie, enjoyed it as always. We'll come back on Friday to do our Friday deep dig. Hey, this is a big game. Like Jeff just said a moment ago, this is a big game this weekend. Arguably the biggest Mike Leach has had here. I would agree with that. At a place that he coached at at one time with Al Mummy. So I think you nailed it. This is one of those games where for one of these teams, it's going to make a big difference in how their season is going to be perceived. Hey, we had three interviews. All three guys good. Oh, James man, Armstrong. Awesome. Yeah, James Armstrong, Kendall, and then Jeff Picaro with the Kentucky Radio Network. Hey, enjoyed it as always. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us for the last hour. You've been listening to Out of Left Field, presented by Farm Bureau.